just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Wednesday, and I've got some good news for you. (laughs) The good news is that Mark and Brian Wallenberg will not be on this show. (laughs) Of course, the last show I did with Mark the Trump Humper, and I'm getting a lot of mixed reviews from it. And I've got some emails here that we'll look at with those mixed reviews. But... um, I get it, man. I get it. I'll be honest with you, after going through that last podcast with Mark, I kind of felt down after the fact because it was more of the same. It was the same shit. I understand you're not wanting to listen to it very long. That's why I don't listen to Fox News. I mean, these guys aren't creative. They don't come up with new angles. They don't even try to come up with facts. It's so easy to embarrass them and corner them that it's just not fucking fun anymore. So I'll promise you this. I'm not going to be going after any more Trump humpers on the podcast. I'm glad I did both shows. I think it was good to expose who these people are. You know, too often people look at the Trump LaFox and say, well, they're tough. They're crazy. No, they're just stupid. They're stupid and uh, mentally disabled, really. I mean, they don't grasp anything that's real, and they just pull anything out of their ass, and they act if it's true. But I felt compelled to talk to Mark, because much like Brian, he kind of pushed the issue. He wanted to be on the show. As I said on the show, I was doing a live on TikTok, and I told any of the Trump humpers, you want to argue here? You want to debate here? No, come on my podcast, just email me. He was the only one to do it. And he was trying to come off like this intellectual. He told me what his IQ was rated at like in eighth grade. So like that was going to impress me. But at the same time, he wanted to tell me he was blind and broke and all this stuff. Very typical narcissist, very typical Trumplican. I'm a tough guy, but I'm also a victim. Fuck you. I didn't feel any sympathy for this guy especially when he started spewing these ridiculous conspiracy theories. Then it was just getting me mad, you know. I have to put this guy in his place. I'm not a guy that's excitable, but when somebody blatantly says something as stupid as that, I just have a low tolerance for stupid. And uh, fortunately, I never had that issue when I'm talking to Ed or, or some of the listeners. But this fucking clown, I couldn't help it. He wasn't hard to rough up a little bit, and I didn't think he would be. He was a little more articulate than Brian. But articulation is only so good. If you're spewing conspiracy theories, the articulation is nice, but what's coming out of your mouth is bullshit. It's hard to give you any credit. So anyway, as I say, the... uh, (laughs) The reviews were mixed. I'm going to read some of the emails here that I got, and uh, you'll see what I mean. Okay, the first one comes from Roy. He says, hi, Mike. Just to let you know, 
I tortured myself for one hour and 40 minutes listening to all this bullshit. The last time you had a Trump advocate on, it only lasted one minute or 14 minutes and or 14 minutes and 14 seconds. Now, you've got that all wrong. First of all, the 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 interview with uh, um, Mark didn't go one hour and 40 minutes. That was the previous podcast. The one with Mark did go one hour and 14 minutes, I believe. Maybe it was less than that. Because you remember, I got cut off too early. Um, my internet went down, so I had to stop it wherever it stopped. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Roy goes on to say, since I can only speak for myself, can you please, please don't have any more of these so-called articulate people on until the midterms if you choose? It made me sick to my stomach, Roy. Best regards. And like I say, Roy, yeah, I can promise you that. I'm not going to have another Trump fuck on after the midterms and they get their ass kicked. There's no point in having them on at that that. Uh, at that point in time. But I get it. I get it. It's depressing listening to stupid people and and knowing that there is a, a faction of people that believe this ridiculousness. So, Roy, you have my word. I'm not going to have another Trumpican on anytime soon, if ever. Probably never. I don't need them. I got to be honest, though, it's a little cathartic after you hear all the shit I hear doing TikToks. Uh, and all these Trumplefucks making these statements and running and hiding or trying to take down your videos. It's nice to get them on your own turf and just fucking take them apart. It's not very hard to do. And that's why it's kind of depressing. And I don't get depressed. But uh, I like to have a little fun with what I'm doing on TikTok and uh, and on the podcast. And, and honestly, that's not fun. The second time around was not as fun as the first time around. Uh, so it's been done. I don't need to do it again. All right. The next one comes from Gordon. Good morning. I wanted to say I loved your show with Tony Michaels. Very informative and very entertaining. I would concur. Tony Michaels was an excellent guest. And if you can take some time out to listen to his podcast, I would suggest it. He's a little more high energy than I am, but he's younger than I am. He swears as much, if not more, than I do. Uh, but we are of a similar mindset, so he's an interesting guy to listen to. Now, Gordon goes on to say, your next guest, Mark, seemed to be down the Trump hole and doesn't even know it. His excuses and flat-out bullshit was hard to hear but informative. His sidebar bullshit, changing the questions because he didn't have any good answers. Your comment on standing firm with the facts is a classic. I was hopeful that maybe this guy would be better informed on what the fuck is going on in the world, but was disappointed. But with the Trump fucks, I'm not surprised. You handled him and his untrue facts. I love his comment about Biden, not the real president, but is being controlled by Obama, another Republican lie. I'm just glad this clown who is an accountant doesn't do my books or taxes. Thanks for your podcast and TikToks, Gordon. Yeah, I, w- I was honestly disappointed with him. When I first talked to him and, and I looked at his emails, I thought there might be some kind of challenge here. But, uh, boy, he bailed quick. He bailed quick. It didn't take long to put him in a corner. All right. Next one comes from Leanna. 
or Liana. I think it's Liana. Now, Liana was on the show at one time. She was a guest. She's a younger woman out on the West Coast, northwest part of the country, I think up in Washington. Nice young woman, very smart young woman. She did a great show with us. She says, hey, Boomer, it's been a while since I've written in, so I thought I'd send a quick email to let you know how much I enjoyed the debate with Mark. You kicked ass as expected. Now, see what I mean? It's mixed reviews. The first two didn't like this whole bullshit with Mark, but apparently Liana did. Um, It's troubling how unaware some people are of reality and how easily they can be manipulated to believe anything they hear on the right-wing media. Mark seems very stuck in his own ways and afraid of progress. When he said you have a confirmation bias, I couldn't stop laughing. What a stupid thing to say after defending Fox News talking points. Darwin didn't mean that only the physically strong survive. He meant that those who are capable of adapting to a changing world are more likely to survive. People who hate growth and progress were meant to be left behind. Before I go, did you ever get your webcam fixed? I'd like to come back on the show again, and I thought it would be nice to have those visual cues and whatnot the next time. Hope you're doing well. Talk to you soon. What she means by that, if if you've never been a guest, I connect with Zoom, and for whatever reason, this tabletop computer I have, the the the, the camera doesn't work, so you you can't see me, which... <laughs> I never thought that as a downside. I thought that to be a positive. But I understand what she talks about with the physical cues. I don't have it fixed yet. I haven't even really tried to fix it. When we do the uh, shows with a guest, all we need is the audio anyway. So um, so it really doesn't matter. And, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that camera sucks. Not so much of me because I'm usually dressed. And, and doing what I do. But I did a show one time with Ed. And Ed had just finished <laughs> finished uh, um, mowing his yard. Now he's a 72-year-old man mowing his yard. He's in decent enough shape for his age. <clears throat> but the way the camera sat on him was from his neck down to his waist. <laughs> so during the whole show, I'm sitting there staring at the uh, bare torso, the bare sweaty torso of a 72-year-old man. Now, no shade <laughs> on uh, on uh, Ed, but I, I told him, I said, when we finished, I said, now, Ed, go put a fucking shirt on, for Christ's sake. He goes, oh, I forgot you could see me. I said, oh, yeah, I saw you, and I don't want to see it again. You know, that's the funny thing about TikTok. I always see this, and I've said this before. Why is it guys that are older, 40s, 50s, 60s, who are out of shape, that insist on doing TikToks with no shirt on? What is that about? You're trying to be sexy? What? You're not, motherfucker. Just put a goddamn shirt on. And and it's those people who eat when they're doing TikToks. You couldn't hold off till after you did that two-minute TikTok? Or you couldn't have eaten it beforehand. Somehow, some reason, you got to eat while you're doing the TikTok. Come on. You got to be better than that. All right. The next one comes from Paul. He says, I listened to today, today's show with Mark. Good man for coming on to your show. Yeah, I'll give him credit. He came on the show. He had the courage. Not many do. 
Nice try, Mike. However, listening to his beliefs, thought processes, and presentation, I cannot fathom a post-secondary education in his past. I question any trained accountant seeing the merit in the 2017 Republican budget. He was not able to provide precise examples to support his POV on point of view on multiple subjects. Instead of pleading the fifth, his argument closers are, ah, let's move on or let's agree to disagree. Yeah, I hate that when people do that. No, motherfucker, you better speak up. If you're going to spew shit, you better have some reason for spewing that shit. In my time, I've heard other barflies like Mark who use $10 words coupled with memorized talking points with no room for deviation. Where is a William F. Buckley Jr. when you need one? Keep swinging, Mike. Paul. Well, thank you, Paul. Next up, Rhonda. I've got a lot of emails today. She says, hi there. I am a TikTok and podcast fan. Enjoy them both immensely. I'm writing to say I really like the way you try to let us see what the folks are like on the other side. Now, the guy you had on yesterday was so painful to listen to. Yeah, yeah, it was painful for me, too. First of all, he talked too slow. And yeah, that was disconcerting. That's a strategy. You know, that isn't what you would expect out of a Trumplefuck. So I think he was trying to play a game with it. That's why I picked it up a few times when I got going. Plus, I was pissed off because I couldn't believe the shit he was saying. I feel like he was searching for answers while responding. Second, he presented as intelligent but is totally blinded by bad sources. Kind of like some of my fellow nurses at my job. So smart, yet such a Kool-Aid drinker. We as well as all nurses literally have a degree in science. And post-Trump, some of these nurses no longer believe in science. Like what? Anyway, keep up the good work. I know, as you say, it's your fucking podcast, but please limit these Trumplefucks. It's too painful to listen to in the morning. Thank you, Rhonda. As I told Roy, yeah, I'm not going to have another one on. It's just not fun anymore. It's kind of depressing going through the same poll bullshit and talking to somebody who is that fucking stupid. It's, it's hard. All right, this next one is coming from Daniel. Hi, Boomer. Your podcast with another Trumplicon just validated the, that most Trump supporters are poorly educated. To comment on some of your discussion topics, Capitol Police, who died, Brian Sicknick, was the officer who died uh, the day after January 6th. You're right. For whatever reason, I couldn't come up with his name, but that really wasn't the point of what I was trying to say. Number two, 2017 tax bill passed, couldn't be supported by the Trumplican. GAO projected $2 trillion impact on the national deficit. Mark couldn't support why this tax bill helps the middle class, because it doesn't. Bill Clinton advising. The debater does not seem credible to have a decent debate with you about facts. He just pulled out information about Bill Clinton and couldn't support his position with facts. In my opinion, Mark seemed like someone who fell into the rabbit hole of Trumplicanism. He seemed like an ideal candidate for the GOP who targets the gullible and the insecure characteristics. It was frustrating to hear his position due to aboutism and kept changing subjects and would not answer your questions. Thanks, Daniel. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. He was, you know, I'm glad I did it, but in some respects I look at it as kind of a 
waste of time because he didn't tell us anything. He didn't give us any more insight than Brian. They're different kinds of guys, but it was all the same. I say this because I believe it, but I have no facts to support it. And if you get them cornered, they want to go on to a different subject. All right. This next one comes from Deb. Oh, my God, or OMG, my mind is feeling like it could explode. That Trump fan is the most arrogant piece of shit ever. I'll agree. His method of talking slowly and methodically does not make him correct, and his words are absolute bullshit. He made my blood boil just listening to him. He began to stutter because he was lying. He wants to believe the cop didn't die. I wonder if he would continue to spout that crap if he was talking to the cop's mother. He is no different than the pig Alex Jones denouncing Sandy Hook. The cop you were speaking of was Brian Sicknick. Yes, thank you. It was determined that he suffered two strokes nearly eight hours after being sprayed with a chemical irritant during the riot. They said while the strokes were the cause of death, they were brought on by the events of January 6th. Absolutely. As for Trump, he got bad press because he is a walking, talking clusterfuck. Every time he opens his mouth, he fucks himself, but usually hurts someone else in the process. This guy just runs his mouth, spouts lies, and quite frankly, he makes my ears feel like they're going to bleed. (laughs) His views on Biden are ridiculous. He couldn't come up with one thing Biden has done wrong. He said Biden is stumbling around, yet Biden rides his bike constantly and is in top shape. He said he's controlled by someone else. Bullshit. He has been a politician for decades. He knows his stuff. He has accomplished more legislatively in two years than any president in history. This moron has wasted an hour of my life. (laughs) I'll never get back. While I appreciated you talking on the idiot, I can't listen to him ever again. Anyway, thank you, Mike, for your podcast, but please don't ever invite this arrogant fool. I'm begging. I I think most people are in agreement that, yeah, we don't need to have this fuck back. This one comes from V. I listened to your podcast yesterday, even though I didn't want to listen to the Trumpy guest. I thought he was going to be prepared with facts and proof, but he didn't. He made the same stupid talking points we're used to coming from the right. This guy didn't even know what our talking points are. I mean, if you're going to debate someone, at least venture out and listen to what the other side is saying or claiming. You destroyed his talking points, and I was there for it. These right-wingers need to get out of their bubble, and maybe then they can have some real facts and can hold a real debate. I'm glad I tuned in and really enjoyed all the facts you shot his way. Thanks for always speaking the truth. Yeah, it's... You know, I, I think the problem here with Trumplicans is they're just ill-informed, misinformed. They only get their information from the worst possible sources, Fox, OAN, Newsmax, these fucking right-wing bloggers. Uh, that's where they get their facts, so that's literally all they know. All right, this one comes from Jenna. Jenna is a former guest. She's been on the show a couple of times at least. Very sharp lady. She starts out by saying, holy shit, I could only listen to about 30 minutes, insufferable, completely refusing to acknowledge reality. He thought he was so damn smart. I'd love to be a guest again. Well, Jenna, you're more than welcome. You always help us put on a good show, 
and uh, I would love to have you back on. You know what to do. Just send me an email. Tell me when you're ready and available, and we'll make it out. We'll get it done. We'll get you on the show. Last one, last email comes from James. He says, hey, Mike, I've been listening to you for over a year, and this is my first time emailing you. Well, thank you. OMG, that Mark is an educated fool. He is proof that a degree doesn't mean your intelligence. All he did was spew nonsense. He was making my head hurt. Thank God you lost internet connection. <laughs> Keep up the good work, James. Yeah, I was thinking about that. You know, I'm talking to this guy, and I was getting ready to wrap it up anyway. I was getting tired of it, and then the internet went out. I wonder if that's God's way of saying, all right, fucking enough, enough. Or maybe it was the NSA. They didn't like me tearing apart the Republican. I don't know. Anyway, I appreciate all the emails that folks sent. I appreciate the mixed reviews, and I've taken it to heart. Mark won't be on the show again. No way. And uh, neither will Brian or any other Trump fuck. We did it. It's done. It's behind us. Let's move on to better things. And that won't be hard to do. I got to tell you. I was I, I was actually very, very excited about having him on. I thought this might be uh, a real challenge, but it ended up not being a challenge. He just said, I don't know anything about that, which was exactly what Brian said. I never heard that. Well, okay. You, you, you don't get cut a break because you're an idiot, because you're ill-informed. But that's what they want. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, so let's just move on. Fuck you. That's the last thing you want to say to me. I'm going to make you either say it or admit you're wrong. That's what you got to do to these people. And, you know, here's the thing. I think this is why Mark and even Brian had trouble with these debates. It's because I don't act like your typical Democrat, mainly because I'm not a Democrat. They're used to, uh, uh, used to Democrats being um, more calm, more respectful. And it's a perfect opportunity for them to put on the bully hat and go after somebody and roll right over the top of somebody. But think about what you saw there or what you heard there in those two podcasts. As much as those people might have been more aggressive in any other situation, they were confused by the fact that I was the aggressor in this situation. And both of them did exactly what bullies do. They fucking backed down. Now, I'll guarantee, I don't know about Brian. Brian's pretty laid back, but I'll guarantee of Mark, if he's in a conversation in his living room, in a bar or whatever, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and he's going to be aggressive. But when you're dealing with a bully, what you need to do is blindside the motherfucker. You need to come at him. You need to go at them and overwhelm them because that's their trick. That's what they do. And the Democrats allow these people to do that. I mean, think about this. These guys are Trumplicans, and they are probably very similar to most Trumplicans we see day to day. We see on TV, whether it be Tucker Carlson or any of these fucks, okay? They're used to playing the game and controlling the narrative, controlling the whole situation. I learned this when I was in selling. Um, The people you are talking to always like to control the narrative or the conversation. 
What my strategy was in sales was to take that control away from them. <clears throat> like in sales, for example, I'm trying to sell him something, somebody something, and they see me as the weaker side of this. They have all the control because they can choose to buy or not buy, and I have to run around like a chicken with my head cut off to get them to buy. Well, instead, what I would do is I'd go, hey, I got this. It's a great deal. It would work well for you. You interested? Well, I'm not so sure. All right, thanks very much, and hang up. Because then they know I don't care if they buy it. And that confuses them. I took the aggressive side there. And now they have to sit back and say, what did I miss? What Am I losing money on this? I got to call this guy back. And when they call back, immediately they are more submissive. And that worked well for me in business. Um, It works well for me in You know, most situations where people are coming at me, if I see they're a bully, I'm going to come at them first and I'm going to come hard at them and shut them down. And because they're cowards, they usually fold up. And that's what Mark did yesterday. All right, let's get on to some news. And there's some interesting things happening. Mark Meadows, we know who he is, former White House chief of staff under Donald Trump. He is now trying to avoid having to testify before a Georgia special grand jury. Fonnie Willis wants to talk to his ass, too, because he was part of this whole thing of trying to overturn Georgia. It's the investigation of whether then-President Donald Trump and his allies illegally tried to influence the state's 2020 election. Now, Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis opened the investigation last year, and the special grand jury was seated in May, of course, to review evidence and hear from witnesses. Willis filed a petition in August seeking to have Meadows testify before the panel. We haven't heard much about this. We know Giuliani testified. We knew we know that uh <clears throat> Lindsey Graham has been asked to testify, and he's doing everything he can to avoid it. And now, apparently, Mark Meadows is too. Because Meadows lives outside of Georgia, Willis can't simply issue a subpoena for his testimony. What she has to do is get a judge in South Carolina, where he lives, to order him to appear. Now, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney in Atlanta, who's overseeing the special grand jury, signed off on the petition. Willis filed for Meadows, certifying that he is a necessary and material witness for the investigation. Now, after receiving the paperwork from Willis's office, a prosecutor in Pickens County, South Carolina, on September 9th, asked a judge to set a hearing to determine whether Meadows must go to Atlanta to testify. In a response filed Monday, a lawyer for Meadows asked the South Carolina judge, to deny the request. Well, of course he did. Mark Meadows doesn't want to talk to Fonnie Willis. Now, there's some question as to whether Mark Meadows is already talking to the DOJ. It would seem that would be the case because we know he refused to comply with the subpoena to the January 6th committee. He was referred to the DOJ for... uh, not complying to that subpoena, but the DOJ did nothing. And then all of a sudden, we didn't hear anything from Mark Meadows for a long, long time. 
He is a linchpin in this whole situation. He is the middleman between Donald Trump and everybody else in Congress, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and all this stuff. He is complicit in this fucking mess on January 6th. So, clearly, he's being talked to by someone. So, he may have uh, agreed to talk to the DOJ, given some anonymity, but he knows when he goes to Georgia, if he's forced to go to Georgia, it will be well known by everybody, including his Lord and Savior, Donald Trump, that he is testifying. That's why it's, it's, not, it's interesting to know that since, since the initial part where his uh, noncompliance to the subpoena was sent to the DOJ and he wasn't indicted, that everything was really quiet, and that seems so strange given he was an important part of what happened on January 6th. So he clearly is giving some information. He's an informant. There's no question about it. And it's a smart thing for him to do. He's so close to Donald Trump, he could go down very easily. Now, as much as he supports Donald Trump, he doesn't want to spend 10 years, 20 years in jail for Donald Trump. Donald Trump's not doing him any fucking favors. And remember a while back, Donald Trump's own people say, yeah, you want to cut off communications with Mark Meadows. Don't talk to Mark Meadows. So they already have a sense that Mark Meadows is doing some shit. Now, it's an interesting circumstance, and actually his circumstance is very similar to Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham's also from South Carolina, so they can't just subpoena him directly. Now, of course, Lindsey Graham has taken it to court. He lost, took it to another court. He lost, and now it's with the Supreme Court. <clears throat> and so guess what? The uh, justice that oversees the, the, the circuit that they're in uh, is, is Clarence Thomas. And Clarence Thomas says, yeah, we'll put it on hold. Now, what you have to understand about this, Thomas didn't say it's over. He doesn't have to testify. That's not what happened. It was kind of an administrative thing. Ultimately, the entire Supreme Court's going to have to look at it and make a decision. That doesn't mean that Lindsey Graham isn't going to get off, because remember, we have six Republicans in the, um, in the Supreme Court. But uh, this situation caused Clarence Thomas to take quite a hit. I mean, he's basically giving the finger to the Supreme Court and the general public. His wife is an insurrectionist. His wife is uh, probably going to be charged at some point for that January 6th situation. Uh, She was a big part of it. There's no question about it. And some of Mark Meadows' texts will verify that. But in these circumstances, given his current situation with his wife, the proper thing, the right thing, the legal thing for him to do is to recuse himself. But we know he refuses to recuse himself at every turn. That's not right for a Supreme Court justice to do that. But but again, as I've talked about before, there apparently is no rules and regulations in place in the Supreme Court where Justices have to do what they're supposed to do. Now, there are some options here. Ultimately, he could be impeached. There's only been one attempt to impeach a Supreme Court justice like 100 years ago. It didn't work. And the problem you have with impeaching a Supreme Court justice is also the same problem you have with impeaching a president. 
you go through the impeachment process in the House and assuming he gets impeached, then it has to go to the Senate and they vote to convict or not and remove. And of course, we know what happened with Bill Clinton. He was saved in the Democratic Senate. Donald Trump was saved twice with the Republican Senate and he wasn't forced to be removed. And the same thing could be the case with a Supreme Court justice. It's never been done. They've never actually been impeached. So it's all really contingent on what happens at the midterms. If the House can maintain or even expand their margin, their majority in the House, and they definitely need to expand their majority in the Senate. If they can do that, it's completely possible that they could Um, impeach him and get him the fuck out of there, which would be the right thing to do. Now, there's one other option. If they don't have enough votes, what they can do, and this has been threatened before and it's been expanded before, but Joe Biden, and I think he's seriously looking at it. I I know many of the uh, members of Congress are Democrats, is expanding the Supreme Court. We have nine justices in the Supreme Court because at the time they put in nine justices, there were nine circuits. Well, there are 13 circuits now, so it makes sense that they would add four more. And if Joe Biden added four more Democratic Supreme Court justices, that would even things out. That would stop the Republicans and the conservatives and these losers that are in the Supreme Court from going rogue as they are. So we'll see what happens. But again, it's all contingent on the midterms. I have a good feeling about the midterms, but it is contingent on the midterms. All right, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. So people in the media tried to tell us the last January 6th hearing was the last January 6th hearing. And I said, that's just not possible. There's got to be more coming. And the fact of the matter is the January 6th committee is still working. Do you remember Hope Hicks? She is one of the many young and very attractive advisors for Donald Trump. I don't know if she's qualified for anything, but Donald Trump's like having these young, attractive advisors. Now, the thing is with Hope Hicks, she was very close to Donald Trump. She dealt with him on a daily basis. Now, Hope Hicks um, took part in an interview with the January 6th Committee Tuesday. Uh, The details of the interview have not yet been made public, but clearly the January 6th committee isn't done. I think they will probably hold back from having another hearing before the midterms. We're getting too close for that, but after the midterms, you're going to see more activity. Of course, they subpoenaed Donald Trump, and if he comes through, he will be the subject of a hearing too. Now, some people are saying, what if the Republicans win the House in on November 8th, 
and the Republicans will just shut down the investigation. Well, that's probably true, but even if the Republicans win, uh, the Republican members of Congress that just got voted in won't take their seats until the early part of January. So you've got um, all of November and December to continue to have hearings, and I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. They need to put the frosting on the cake prior to a Republican takeover. Now, if you listen to me, you know I don't think that's going to happen. I think the House will be maintained by the Democrats, and they will still do the hearings because now they can ram it fucking home. So you haven't seen the last hearing. I'm convinced of that. Um, They're continuing to do interviews and do investigations. They've got a ton more evidence and more witnesses. I mean, Christ, they talked to a thousand witnesses. Are you telling me that the witnesses they've they've shown already is all they're going to show? I find that very hard to believe. And, and, And what I said before, the other thing that I think is going to be an important factor is the one thing they haven't talked about is the sitting members of Congress, Ginny Thomas or Roger Stone. Those people haven't come up yet, but they were pivotal in this January 6th insurrection. They're going to come up. I think they're just holding back till after the election, so they can't be accused of trying to uh, affect the election. But after the election's done, you're going to see some indictments from the DOJ, and you're going to see the January 6th committee unleash with some sitting members of Congress. Now, remember, say somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Say she wins over Marcus Flowers, and that's possible. When it's all said and done, if she wins and maintains her position, maintains her job, once it's all exposed as to how she was involved in the January 6th committee, she could very well be expelled from Congress by way of the 14th Amendment. So even after the election, even if somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert or Paul Gosar, any of these fucks, if they win their elections, if they're up for election uh, in November, they could still get their ass kicked out. Now, what that means then is if they get expelled, then the governor of their respective states will appoint somebody to replace them. Now, here's the catch. If that governor is a Republican, then he or she will place a Republican in that position. No ground gained with that. But if a governor happens to be a Democrat, then he will or he or she will place a Democrat in that position, giving the Democrats more of a majority. So we'll see what happens. The elections, regardless of how they come out, aren't necessarily the end or or, or the continuation of these these Trumplifucks. They still may be out. Now, we talked about the subpoena that uh, the J6 committee has sent Donald Trump. And uh, I'll, I'll stand by what I said before. I don't think that Donald Trump will testify. He will find some angle, some reason to blame the J6 committee and not testify. Frankly, him testifying would be the stupidest thing he could do. Now, Donald Trump is stupid, so maybe he will. But if he's listening to his lawyers at all, which is questionable sometimes, they aren't going to let him do it. 
And I think I know what the out is here for Donald Trump. The the um, straw that breaks the camel's back, the excuse he can use for not testifying. Republican Liz Cheney of Wyoming, the committee's vice chair, said she wouldn't accept live television testimony from Trump. Now, Trump said very specifically before she ever said that, that I'll do the testifying. If I do the testifying, it has to be live on television. Now, I don't see why that's a problem, to be perfectly honest, because Donald Trump will fuck himself over. He will implicate himself very quick order. And the thing about it is, is if you take them behind closed doors and record it and then present it, he's just going to say that you doctored the tape or did something like that. So why, why would you put yourself in that position? But Liz Cheney went on to say, we are going to proceed in terms of the questioning of the former president under oath. It may take multiple days and it will be done with a level of rigor and discipline and seriousness that it deserves. Deserves. We are not going to allow him. Uh, he's not going to turn this into a circus. Well, that's what Donald Trump fucking specializes in, turning everything into a circus. That is his strategy. Cause uncertainty, cause chaos, make a lot of noise. And that's how he tries to get through things. Well, that's not working for him anymore, but you can bet that's what he'll try. I think what Donald Trump will do will say, I wanted to do it live, so there's no possibility of any anything um, untoward happening in this interview, that they lie about me or they put words in my mouth. He will insist on it being live, and maybe some—you got to understand, Liz Cheney doesn't— make the final decision. She says he they don't want to do it live, but that doesn't mean the whole, whole committee is feeling that way. The, they, they will probably vote on it, and if more of the committee members want him to be on live, assuming he's willing to do it, he will probably get to do it. I think we made a mistake years ago, a couple of years ago, when they took him off Twitter. A lot of people in the Democratic Party thought that was a win because because it shut his mouth. Well, it didn't shut his mouth. And frankly, the more his mouth flaps, the better it is for the Democrats, because he continues to implicate himself and stay stupid shit. So taking him off Twitter wasn't the best idea. Not putting him on live, if he's actually willing to testify, might be a mistake too. Donald Trump is his own worst enemy. So let that fucker gab. Let that fucker talk because he will do himself in like he does every time. We'll see what happens if Donald Trump does testify. It won't come till after the midterms. I just I just don't see how it's going to happen. We've heard him say, yeah, I'd be happy to testify. Jenny Thomas said, I'd be happy to testify. And when it comes down to the time to do it, they back off. They back off not because they wouldn't be willing to do it, but calmer minds or more reasonable minds being their lawyers, and I say that with a grain of salt, will tell them not to because it would be a fucking disaster for Ginny Thomas and um, Donald Trump. Now, Ginny Thomas did testify. We don't know what she said as yet because they haven't released those videotapes of Ginny Thomas speaking. But again, as I said, what's going to happen is we'll see Ginny Thomas 
after the election. We'll see the sitting members of Congress and the evidence against them after the election. Everything hinges on this election, and it's absolutely crucial. So you're going to have to wait a couple of weeks before that is done. All right. Now, legendary political journalist Bob Woodward of Watergate fame described almost laughing when Donald Trump shared with him the love letters exchanged with North Korea dictator Kim Jong-un. Woodward released the full audio collection of his interviews with Trump as an audiobook titled The Trump Tapes. It's kind of ironic, don't you think? The thing that took down uh, Richard Nixon's was the tapes, and now Bob Woodward has the tapes. I never understood this. Bob Woodward has never been Donald Trump's friend. But um, apparently Donald Trump is so taken with Woodward's fame that he wants to talk to him. He realizes that uh, Woodward will sell a lot of books. He'll get a lot of press. So in Donald Trump's sick and twisted mind, he thinks that's good for him. Now, nothing that Woodward has ever done on Donald Trump has been beneficial to him, but he still sees the ratings, as we constantly hear him talk about. And he wants those ratings. And, And for some reason, he wanted to try to get Woodward to like and agree with him. See, that goes to the narcissistic thing. He thinks he's so smart, so articulate, so persuasive that he can get Woodward on his side. But they've got like 20 different interviews in this audiobook. All of it is being exposed. All the interviews are being exposed. Some of this stuff has shown up in books, but it tells more of the story when you hear the audio tape because you can hear the inflection in Donald Trump's voice. You can understand what he was saying, why he was saying it, and what he probably meant when he was saying it. Now, <laughs> now Donald Trump's not happy about this, and we'll get to that in a bit. Now, on Tuesday, Woodward was interviewed by MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell, who explained that Trump may not have had his Mar-a-Lago document scandal had he not kept possession of those letters. Woodward said, I have them all. Donald Trump gave Woodward all the letters, copies of the letters. That right there is proof that he broke the law. That is enough proof to get him indicted and convicted. And the way the proof is there, all <clears throat> all Woodward has to do is supply the documents, the letters, to the DOJ. It's a done deal at that point. Woodward went on to say they, they really are kind of the fondness is the teenagers might exchange. So that, that apparently were love letters. He said there's nothing substantive in them, which I guess is not surprising. You know, Kim Jong-un wants attention, wants respect, so he's courting the president. Donald Trump thinks he's doing the smart thing by taking somebody who may be our foe and make friends with him because he thinks he can, I don't know what he thinks he can do. Whatever he thought he could do with Putin and Kim Jong-un and the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, whatever he thought he could do, he didn't do. Once again, he fucking failed. Um, Woodward said uh, he had given the full text of letters to academics and would send them to him after the show. They really are kind of a fondness. 
Um, one of Trump's advisors told Rolling Stone the message aides sent to the former president was absolutely fucking not. The magazine reported several of Trump's attorneys and political counselors have directly told the ex-president this month that any testimony under oath before the panel would be an awful idea. Especially when something like this comes out, you've got absolute proof that he lied, absolute proof that he stole documents and he disseminated them to people who shouldn't be seeing them. So, Going back to what I said about uh, him testifying, it's not going to happen. His lawyers are adamant about it, Uh, especially when you've got proof of a law being broken. Like I say, that alone can be easily proven because all they have to do is get the documents from Bob Woodward, which he would have to give up. Once they found Woodward with the documents... And they know what the original documents are because the National Archives has them now. All they have to do is match them up. And once they match them up and they see that there are copies of the original documents, it's a fucking done deal. He should be in cuffs and in jail at that point. If nothing else sticks, that has to stick because the proof is black and white. Now, I was talking about Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas a while back. And, of course, as I mentioned, he temporarily blocked an order requiring Senator Lindsey Graham to testify before an Atlanta-area special grand jury uh, with Fonnie Willis. Thomas, who has jurisdiction over the lower court that issued the original ruling, paused the order for Graham to testify in a brief Supreme Court docket entry. Now, there's been all kind of blowback for Clarence Thomas and You know, the thing with Clarence Thomas, given the trouble he's already in, he should have maybe backed away from this and not made that decision or make the decision to force him to testify. This, as I said, is one of those times when he absolutely should recuse himself and doesn't. And it just shows the arrogance of Clarence Thomas. He thinks he can do anything. He knows very well that that uh, what he's doing and his connection to his wife goes against the Constitution, goes against whatever ethics he may or may not have as a Supreme Court justice. But he doesn't fucking care. He's basically saying, he's basically saying to uh, us and the DOJ, I don't care. I can do whatever I want. Now, just that act, by not recusing himself and cutting cutting uh, um, Lindsey Graham some slack is enough for an impeachment. Without question, that's enough for an impeachment. Uh, Whether we'll see that or not, again, it all hinges on the midterms. What happens there? You have to have a big enough majority in the Senate in order to complete the impeachment. Even if they get a wide enough margin in the Senate, They still have to maintain control of the House. The House does the impeachment, and then they send it to the Senate. Now, if they've got enough in the House and they impeach him, now the Senate has to remove him, convict him. And at this point right now, as we've seen over the past two years, you need 60 votes to do that. Now, 
what could happen if they get a big enough margin and they uh, basically make Mansion inconsequential and even uh, Kristen Cinema inconsequential. If we get enough uh, senators, a bigger margin in the Senate, then they could carve out the uh, filibuster or just get rid of the filibuster if they can just get over the hump of Cinema and uh, Mansion. So we have to see what's going to happen with that. Now, this is an interesting story, <laughs> and it kind of it kind of makes me laugh. There's a story about Tucker Carlson's son, Buckley. Now, the first story I heard was that he wanted to get Buckley into a school, and this was some time ago, and Tucker Carlson went to who? Hunter Biden asked Hunter Biden to help him out and get Buckley in school. And he did. And I think he got in. Now, this week, a story including Carlson's Buck, son Buckley appeared in the Daily Beast. The Fox host was has been on a rampage ever since. And in a recent correspondence with Eric Wimple, Carlson claimed that it was wrong to go after someone's family. That's an interesting comment coming out of Tucker Carlson. Hunter Biden does him a favor, helps his son Buckley. Somebody reports it because it's simply the truth. Okay. Now, Tucker has got to be embarrassed by this. His Trump have got to be looking sideways at him if he's ranting about Hunter Biden constantly, but was friendly enough with him at some point to get him to help get his son in some prestigious school. You know, it sounds like the same thing the Trumplefucks are always bitching about the Democrats. Oh, he's an elite. He goes to an elite school. Well, Tucker, your son goes to elite school. Thank you, Hunter fucking Biden. And he doesn't like this. And now he says it's wrong to go after other people's family. The issue began when an article about Congressman Jim Banks, um, he denies being linked to the establishment. He hires Tucker Carlson's son, a 24-year-old kid, to be his communications director. Okay, so here's what happens. He gets into the school, and now Jim Banks, a Republican, hires him to be his communications director. And I'm sure he's qualified. (laughs) The Fox host sought out the source of the quote about his son, Buckley, and decided it came from the office of Tom Emmer, guy from my home state, which seems weird that it would come from Tom Emmer because he's a Republican. Emmer is a National Republican Congressional Committee chair. Now, Wemple wrote a Washington Post piece about the matter titled Tucker Carlson, Megalomaniac. In the piece, he quoted Carlson as saying, Normal people understand it's wrong to go after a man's family, but you don't because you're a soulless ghoul who literally works for Jeff Bezos. Go fuck yourself. That's what Tucker Carlson said. Now, Wemple took the slam in stride. He wrote about the Fox host, No sense of proportion, a compulsion to attack, a reliance on conspiratorial thinking as a way of explaining the world. That quote captures the essential aspects of Tucker Carlson. None of them pretty. 
Here's the thing I would say to Tucker Carlson. You don't go after people's families. He's insistent about that. Would that also mean Hunter Biden and his laptop? I mean, he's not an elected official. He's the son of the president. You seem fine going after him, but now when they go after your son for something that's the truth, you have a fucking problem. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Tucker, you're full of shit. And let's take it a step further. Don't include people's families. Weren't you the one that was throwing around the idea, Fox News was throwing around the idea that what Alex Jones has brought up, that that uh, Sandy Hook was a hoax? It's like 26-year-olds. They were all children of somebody else. But you, you brought that up. You made them part of this lie that you exposed and caused all kinds of problems. But you don't want people's families involved. That's just a bridge too far, right, Tucker? <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm thinking you're a little bit of a fucking hypocrite here. I think that um, you should maybe shut your mouth and take your medicine. Live by the sword, die by the sword. And uh, that's what's happening to you, Tucker. And I got to be honest with you, Tucker is very popular in cable news. It's not news, it's entertainment. He even admits that. But you're very popular. But I wonder how this is going to play with the Trumplifux. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, Tucker, if you lose the Trumplifux, you're done. Nobody on the other side is going to fucking hire you. You're fucking done. All right, let's talk about Democrats and dumb shit that the Democrats do. House progressives are doing damage control right now after retreating from a letter that stirred outrage among Democrats by questioning President Biden's handling of Russia-Ukraine war two weeks before the midterm elections. Yeah, these were Democrats, the progressive Democrats. And as I've said, you know, anytime you see anybody that's fanatical or radical on either side, right or left, there are problems. And this is something that the progressives have done before. They fight to get what they want, even if it is at the detriment of the Democratic Party. This is not the fucking time you do that shit. Win the fucking elections, get the power, and then start arguing with other Democrats. But what they're doing, and this pisses me off, and this is the likes of AOC and even Bernie Sanders to a certain extent, um, sticking to this and trying to stick it to the regular Democrats to get what they want. Yeah, you're trying to get what you want, but if it costs them the election in November, then you got nothing. How do you not have the foresight to fucking understand that? The letter blamed... Tuesday on poor staff work raised questions about the political acumen of the Congressional Progressive Caucus and its leaders, Representative Pramila Jayapal, who is eyeing a run at leadership in the next Congress. The letter was drafted several months ago, but unfortunately was released by staff without vetting. As chair of the caucus, I accept responsibility for this, Jayapal wrote in a Tuesday statement. Yeah, that's a big fuck up. That's a big fuck up. And this this is clearly the Democrats. Stupid. The letter which asked Biden to explore diplomacy with Russia to end the war muddled the Democrats' message that a GOP takeover of the House could undermine U.S. unity behind Ukraine. 
Now, just last week, Democrats had blasted <clears throat> House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy for saying there would be no blank check for Ukraine from a GOP House, a statement that led to pushback from various Republicans, including former Vice President Mike Pence. I believe in the power of diplomacy, and I believe it's always better to talk to people than not, said Jim Manley, who served as a senior advisor to the late Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. But a key part of diplomacy is timing, and the timing here is absolutely lousy. And I agree. This was fucking stupid. It's embarrassing for the signers. It undercuts not only the administration, but the Ukrainians at a key moment in time. It also gave a political gift of sorts to Russian President Vladimir Putin, who wants to put pressure on Ukraine's government to make concessions to Moscow. This is kind of what I've said before. This is, you know, this is fucking ridiculous. Win the goddamn election and then have your little infighting. But don't do it before the infighting. Doing something like this is akin to the Republicans overturning Roe v. Wade before the midterms. It's not quite as big a deal, but it's equally as dumb. It's absolutely fucking ignorant. And you have to question anybody who signed on that and then released it. You've got to question their judgment. I'm sorry, Democrats, but when you fuck up, I'm going to bring it up as well. All right, we're going to wrap things up. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Samuel Alito said Tuesday night that the leak of the draft opinion to overturn Roe v. Wade this year endangered the lives of justices by putting a target on their backs. Well, don't go against the Constitution. Like I say, if you don't want people to think you're fucked up, don't do fucked up shit. It was a great betrayal of trust by somebody, and it was a shock because nothing like that had happened in, in the past. So it certainly changed the atmosphere at the court for the remainder of the last term. He said the leak also made those of us who were thought to be in the majority in support of overruling Roe v. Wade and Casey targets for assassinations because it gave people a rational reason to think they could prevent that from happening by killing one of us, he added. The court also overturned its related 1992 decision in Planned Parenthood v. Casey in the ruling. Now, Alito was nominated by former President George W. Bush and is part of the court's 6-3 conservative majority. We know that. He authored the draft and the final opinion that removed the constitutional protections for abortions. Now, in his remarks Tuesday, Alito referred to the charges against Nicholas John Roski in Simi Valley, California, who was armed with a handgun, a knife, a pepper spray, and burglary tools when he was arrested in June near Justice Brett Kavanaugh's home between the release of the leaked draft and the court's eventual ruling. Roski has pleaded not guilty to trying to kill Kavanaugh. Now, clearly, he's a fucking nutcase. I don't care if he supports Roe v. Wade or not. That's not the way to fucking get things done. But you have to understand, you do something like this. I mean, I talked about this in one of the TikToks. Alito was talking about how he's upset that the perception people have of the Supreme Court currently is that they lack credibility. Well, let's look at the facts. Donald Trump appointed three Supreme Court justices. 
each one of them went through a through a um, uh, a hearing to be appointed. Each one of them were asked about Roe v. Wade, and they all said, "Look, man, that's settled law. We won't fuck with that. No, we won't fuck with that." And now we find out that uh, Judge Samuel Alito, years ago, 2005 or thereabouts, told Ted Kennedy, yeah, I'm not going to touch Roe v. Wade. Yet he's the one that wrote the document, the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. So now we have four Supreme Court justices that have all lied under oath. And then you throw in Clarence Thomas, who's sleeping with the enemy essentially, married to Jenny Thomas, who is an insurrectionist and a traitor to this country. He is married to her, and he refuses to recuse himself from anything having to do with January 6th, which he absolutely should do. So we've got five members of the Supreme Court, five out of nine, that are either liars under oath or part and parcel to an insurrection in overthrowing this government. And and so Alito and Gorsuch and Roberts are all upset that we think the Supreme Court lacks credibility, that it's fucked up. Well, as I said, don't do fucked up shit. We won't think you're fucked up. What are we to think? If you're doing all these things, if you're lying under oath, if you're trying to subvert the Constitution, what are we to think? The Supreme Court is supposed to be above reproach, but you're not. You are partisan. Your credibility is in question because of the way you behave, the way you do your job. And it goes back to what I said before. What's going to happen here? Clarence Thomas may be impeached, but we've still got three others three or four others that are questionable in terms of integrity. So the best thing to do is, if the Democrats win the midterms, is to stack the court. Add four more Supreme Court justices and even things out. Now, this will freak out the Supreme Court. It will freak out the Republican Party. But what's more important, having these people freak out and and talking shit about the Democratic Party or saving this country, saving the integrity and credibility of our Supreme Court. What's more important? I've said it before, the the moment the Democrats win the majority in the House and the Senate, as soon as the new Congress comes in in January, first thing they need to do is codify Roe v. Wade. Second thing they need to do is straighten out the fucking Supreme Court and put four more members on the Supreme Court. That's just what they've got to do. If you can't do that, then everything else is going to be fucked up. Those should be the first two things that you do. And we'll see if it works out. We'll see how the midterms go, and we'll see if the Democrats do what they're supposed to do. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I promise I won't have any more Trump LaFucks on. You have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.